everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I'm your host Freddie Cocker and this podcast is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone, but especially men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. Each pod, I check in with a special guest. We have a natter and a chat about all things mental health, as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we discuss it. My special guest for today's episode is an entrepreneur in the world of food. Josh Storkey is the founder and inventor of Stork Sauce, a range of hot sauces that can be used on a range of foods to inject flavour and excitement. Josh has always been intrigued by how fermentation can change and develop new flavours in food. And during the COVID-19 period of summer 2020, and with a lot of time on his hands, he began experimenting. Josh was never far from a bottle of hot sauce himself for his own food palette, so it was only a matter of time before his attention turned to Chili Peppers, not the band, and after creating that drive and intent to create his ideal hot sauce, he produced Stork Sauce. So in this episode we discuss Josh's culinary journey and the journey from experimenting to idea creation, right through to the brand of Stork Sauce he now has, the challenges of being an entrepreneur in this space whilst juggling a full-time job, and the connections he's made with other food entrepreneurs and influencers. For Josh's mental health, Josh moved around a lot when he was a child and he struggled to achieve stability as a child and teenager as a result. At one point, he had moved house five times in just seven years. This had an impact on his ability to build friendships, fit in and feel comfortable. And he says he's still feeling the aftershocks of this to some degree today. We go on to discuss his university years where on the one hand he found that stability he had been craving and strong positive connections and friendships. However, on the other hand, Josh went from being one of the highest achievers in his school intellectually to, in his words, comparatively fairly average on his university course. Such was the level of intellectual ability at his university of Bath where he studied and he experienced some imposter syndrome here as a result. We finished by talking about a stroke that Josh's mother went through in the last seven weeks, how that impacted him, his family, and thankfully, her positive recovery. So this is how my conversation with Josh Dorkey went. Josh Storkey, welcome to the Just Check In Pod, mate. Thank you for letting me check in with you and coming to my flat in North East London to record this. This pod has been in the pipeline for a very, very long time, and you... Uh, you gave me a drunken reminder on New Year's Eve when we saw each other to sort it out. So how are you, mate? Yeah, doing very well, man. Yeah, it's been in the works for quite some time. Mm. We talked about trying to do it before. You know, small businesses kind of trying to do our own little thing outside of normal work. Yeah, lining up calendars is hard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, no, it's good. It's been a good weekend. Lovely weather to... Banging weather, isn't it? You know, decompressed from mm. you know life's worries. So mm. it's, it's been a hell of a few weeks. So, yeah. Exactly, right. mate. We'll get to that in a bit. So we are... Well, I am very pleased to be giving your business a platform and the experiences and challenges you spoke about off air had a few similarities to the vent journey when it comes to Stork Source, but also some different experiences when it comes to your mental health journey. And obviously, there's been some new stuff which we'll talk about later on. So without further delay, are you ready to start the show? Yeah, without a doubt, man. I want to start your pod, Josh, by talking about your culinary journey, as I'll call it, and the brand that you have gone on to create and stalk sauce but just take me back to the beginning if you can where did you find the inspiration for it how did you get into this field or this sector 
and how did you fall in love with cooking i guess generally yeah the love for spice has been something i think i've developed since sort of probably getting onto you in know, teenage years and whatnot mm-hmm. absolutely loves chili and slowly trying to you know get hotter and hotter and it's just like that kind of like yeah you could do I've that i've got a chili episode of- in the simpsons in five alarm <laughs> four alarm <laughs> yeah i think it's kind of also translated to my love of food over the years and watching sort of a lot of youtube mm-hmm. and one of the ones it was probably you know a year or two just before lockdown happened Bon Appetit were doing like a lot of cooking shows and one of the, the characters on those, uh, well, it's not a character, but one of the chefs, it's called uh, Bradley Oney and he did a lot of intro to fermentation kind of stuff. And what is and fermentation for the listeners who don't know? That's generally kind of letting vegetables or fruits basically sort of decompose, but do it in a very healthy way. And it breaks down the sugars either into alcohol or acid or a bit of both. And generally it helps promote more of the sort of the probiotic bacterias and cultures that are actually re- quite really good for your for your gut health mm-hmm. as well. As well as just kind of generally being a way to lengthen, you know, the produce itself mm-hmm. and also ma- makes much more complex flavors than what you would get just from fresh fruits or just drying meats, that kind of thing. It's just kind of a bit in between. Yeah, it's kind of, I didn't know anything about that process. And yeah, this guy Bradley only just... Break it down in a really nice, simple way, but also, yeah, Yeah, exactly. But also, very in casual way of just like it doesn't have to be precise, it's just like it goes on. You need sometimes the right percentage of salts, like two percent salt for a lot of vegetables is pretty good, but then you can vary that with like sugar and salts, and the percentage going a bit higher, doing the fermentation for a bit longer leads to sort of all sorts of slightly different results with it. But it's done in a very just like not necessarily whimsical way, but just in a way that's a bit more natural, where it's just like, it's it doesn't have to be to the letter. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, for it to be bulletproof. Your um, palate is obviously strong enough to enjoy hot sauce. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's not quite with me, but I, I do, I enjoy, I enjoy the taste, but unfortunately my palate can't take the spice. What was it about hot sauce in particular that you landed on, as opposed to other types of sauce that are already on the market or that you enjoy as well? I think purely, yeah, just love hot sauce and especially sort of the variety of different craft hot sauces as well. I just kind of wanted to go, I reckon I could make a pretty good one. Take some confidence to think that as well. So how, where did that come from? That's, I think, the cooking background. I think whatever I do, whatever I cook, I just kind of go, again, part of winging it, but just kind of I learned a lot over the last decade of just cooking and whatnot i feel like even if i make a mistake i can correct it or kind of work it into it itself so because i often even when having friends around or other people's like normally you would just kind of say make sure you cook that dish beforehand so you you're know, one of them people are you <laughs> it's just like but i know i generally like for the first time cook something for a group of people because i don't know it's just for me i want to try something new and i also want to do that and display mm. that and give that to other people as well mm. so it's it's yeah, the kind of love for it and just wanting to give that a go, essentially. Mm. The first batch of hot sauce, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's great for it a was, first attempt. It was okay. It wasn't the best. I didn't die from it. That was... <laughs> <laughs> the bar is low. <laughs> you know, you know, whenever you're kind of playing with bacteria and whatnot, and it's just like, it's a bit, you know... Touch and go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're not too sure. But yeah, eventually learn with the kind of experiments that actually it's pretty hard for it to go completely wrong and then yeah it was just kind of i think third or fourth iteration of the hot sauce was just like actually that's a pretty bang combo sent it out to a few people through instagram just kind of said hey does anyone want to try this 
which is where I first tried doing some labeling and proper sealing and things to send that out, see how that process went, and kind of went, that went all right. Mm. People enjoyed it. And then, yeah, just decided, let's give this a go. Mm. We spoke there about branding, and before we talk about how you built the brand, just... Tell me and the listeners, this is your chance to really plug Stork Source. So what does it make it different to the other sources on the market? What makes it special that my listeners should go and buy it from you? Oh, thank you for that. It's the combination of spice, but also sweetness. I think it's a very well-balanced sauce. It's slightly acidic, slightly sweet, slightly salty. What can people cook it with? Everything. 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 Especially especially chicken, on top of chicken, on top of rice. Yeah, I think my go-to favourite is just to absolutely, yeah, soak that in chicken, let that grill off, and then that way sort of all the sugars in that caramelise a bit. Mm. And that's just like, yeah. And Lovely. it gives, gives that bite, gives that flavour. Let's talk about the brand then, because when you started Stork Sauce, I imagine you had a certain skill set to make it, like you've said. However, marketing it, as we both know, and getting the word out there is a different story. So how have you developed that skill set as you've gone along this journey? And what challenges has it provided for the business and your mental health? Yeah, I mean, marketing especially, I come from zero background in so, doing that. Yeah. So a lot of it's just like, okay, cool, I've got to learn that from scratch. Mm. Um, what on earth does that entail? <laughs> Went through a process of probably, honestly, four, five weeks of trying to decide on the name. And I kind of just went back to sort of almost the original name that I had. Checking trademarks and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was. I was just like, well, what if I don't do just hot sauce? What if I delve into other food things or... But then, but Stork is the brand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's so the master like... brand. See, look, look. I'm already thinking your ideas, mate. <laughs> so it did. It kind of worked. It just clicked and just went. There's no point trying to hang on to that, at like making the complete right, perfect decision for that. You could change it if you want to. You probably won't. But that was the thing. It's just like trying, try not to, yeah, be the complete perfectionist that I want to be. Sometimes mm. I'm sure we aspire to to do that. So. Oh, an entrepreneurship is. Never risk-free. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is a risk, in essence, in its principle. So how did you deal with risk as a concept in regards to this journey? And also just mistakes, because you mentioned about kind of the first batch didn't kill you, so thanks for yeah, that, that was good. But yeah. how do you deal with those mistakes and what have you learned from them as well? I think it's, yeah, especially the risks themselves is just kind of doing it for the first time, like going from making, I don't know, five, ten bottles to suddenly upping that to 80 or so, I think I can do per batch now. And it's just, yeah, pure just, having to jump into it and just hope everything will work itself out or I can, I can yeah make sure everything works out enough the interesting thing about stork is well obviously it's a play on your name but a stork in fables is associated <laughs> with delivering babies obviously you're not delivering babies but was that delivery essence in how you're giving people the source perhaps a part of your thinking in how you came up with the brand a bit of the double entendre yeah. of it yeah it's always a good play on words for sure mm. and when it comes to those challenges you spoke about and doing all these things for the first time how much of a positive has that been in taking you out of your comfort zone in perhaps ways you didn't think you would oh it, yeah it's fantastic to kind of delve into something almost completely new and for it to be just yeah it's extremely rewarding for mm. you know it obviously it's very nice to have very supportive friends and whatnot but there'll not... always be like that won't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, you know it's definitely not fake or anything like that so it's very nice to hear that kind of feedback coming at you just going yeah, that's pretty good you know mm. you know it's has anything rewarding. surprised you about yourself doing it or something that you've done or just something that came from stalk itself yeah i definitely enjoy it more than i thought i would in some ways why more than you thought you would I think because of the feedback you get back 
I think because we can all be our own worst enemy in that mm-hmm. sense and criticality that it's amazing actually when you reach out say hey what do you think about this even just like went through the website help with the you know flatmates just try and go back and forth of some of the wording and actually kind of reaching out to kind of go it doesn't have to just be me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's mm-hmm. been the really really big thing mm. i think and for any budding entrepreneurs or people wanting to take a risk and go on a journey like yours josh what one thing that you wish you'd known from a mental health perspective before you started out the journey could you say now and share it just start sooner get something. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. literally it's just like oh you got this idea just start it just do it iterate on it i think that's probably the most simplest one move fast uh, break things i think is a yeah, very famous saying so yeah exactly and now that you've gone on this journey and you've done it for a couple of years now i think i'm right in saying how do you find the inspiration to keep innovating and keep creating because that's a challenge that sometimes i find you know you get into a routine and a formula of how you've done things how do you switch things up or think oh i've got a new idea how do i bring it into this established routine it's often inspiration of again going back to kind of youtube you know a lot of other people have all sorts of different ideas and I kind of go oh I like that maybe mm. I can do my own riff of that kind of flavor profile or like another one is there's a famous uh, travel blogger style guy called Mark Weens and he goes to various different countries but he doesn't just kind of go okay cool I'm going to India so therefore I'm going to go try these curries it's more the background of the people of why they do it why they make it and more often than not it's just kind of the produce that they have around locally and I think that's the kind of inspiration that's really useful it's just like you don't have to be the best this kind of thing you can just kind of create your own niche in in, in that kind of mm. sector so I think that's the sort of inspiration I like it's just like yeah just don't forget to have a look around what you have locally and have fun as well yeah well you spoke there about niches and one thing you've been able to do is go into this niche field of how do you even put it food entrepreneurs in the sort of <laughs> yeah. online community the source, ha- yeah the hot yeah. source community yeah. if there is that, one that's, yeah yeah that's how, a... <laughs> how beneficial has that been for you in connecting with those people yeah there's oh there's, there's a huge hot source community especially through again i do a lot of it through instagram mm-hmm. and yeah there's there's a whole host of different sources that i've sort of connected with and just ask questions cool what do you do for these kind of fermentations what kind of these kind of not necessarily specialists but buckets of for fermenting that's you know specific to allow for doing it safely and it's just like oh okay thanks you know for that information talking it's very collaborative in that sense it's yeah like, obviously you're all competing to kind of get succeed but it's not like oh i'm not going to give you advice because yeah, of, yeah. There, there might be one or two but more often than not it's everyone's willing to give you that advice for free without like expecting anything back because making it isn't necessarily the simplest thing it's not the most straightforward process so it's just like i could give you the full recipe but you're not going to go out of your way to suddenly start making that essentially and even if you did it would vary somewhat because of you know either your own preferences or whatnot so yeah i think that's yeah a very healthy and natural way to do it rather than kind of competing head-on yeah it's no fun for anyone Mm. you do that and we're going to discuss this later in the pod but given some of the instability you had during childhood has this community given you perhaps an extra set of positive connections Sorry, yeah, that was a bit of a leap. (laughs) Um, Definitely from the kind of outreach of meeting new people. Well, not not in person, but I guess chatting with new people. Well, hopefully in person one day, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a... Conferences, I don't know if there's hot source conferences. There is is a hot source society, I think. It's a yearly thing that happens in South London, which... Yeah, I think last year was the dream to try and do it this year. But, you know, life happens. Mm. So it's... 
We'll have it as a goal, mate. We'll manifest it on this podcast. It's still, it's still a goal. It's fermenting. It's still, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was, that was cheesy. I <laughs> know, oh, oh, no. I had to get it in. I had to get it in. No, yeah, it's been really good to just have something completely different from work and life, friends from that mm. side of things. Um, you said just there about life happening and obviously work-life balance is a very important part of what we both do and it can be a very big challenge to what we both do. So what is your experience like here in running Stork as well as your full-time job from a mental health perspective? I think, yeah, when I first started and decided, cool, I'm going to make a Stork Source website and set all this up, try and get the labels, try and get shipping sorted. It's yeah, whole world people don't see, isn't it? It's, it's so many little bits that as a one-man band, you just kind of go, oh, I guess I need to do that too. And, and yeah. that as well. It's just like all those little things add up. and yeah. Money-wise as well, <laughs> I should say. Money-wise they add up, yeah. Yeah, so it's... Um, yeah, it was, I think, a lot tougher for me than I thought it would be because you're just like, okay, I could do that for a few hours in the evenings. And without realizing, you kind of start building up, just like, okay, cool, after work, right? And you get straight back into trying to decide what I need to do here and try and work on this and that. You do become always um, on when it's your baby like yeah, that. You? Yeah, 100%. And because of that, it kind of started building up just some level of anxiety as well as just that kind of stress and, and, and burnout that, I didn't really realize at the time, but afterwards mm. taking that bit of a break, just like, that was a lot because mm. I was also trying to learn to drive at the same time. <laughs> so it's just like this multi-level, just, I don't know, I just... Cocktail. Quite, yeah. In, in some ways, I think I needed to do or felt like I needed to do it because, I don't know, I could. But then, yeah, very quickly realizing it just, yeah, it doesn't quite all go to plan sometimes. So. Mm. And what did you learn from that period? To make sure to give yourself time and space away from, you know, even just booking a day for yourself to just not do anything, mm. you know, and just kind of, you know, when someone's like, oh, you free this weekend or whatnot, it's going to go, no, I'm not doing anything, but just sometimes I need to go for a walk. I need to have a few hours to game. Or you're free, but you're not free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, it's my time. All right, go mm. away. <laughs> yeah. And actually protecting that itself because... That's very important to me, I think, mm. now. Matchroom CEO, Eddie Hearn, was always told by his dad, no passion, no point. And I actually do take quite a lot of learning from that and a lot of inspiration from that because you do realise when you're doing this as a side hustle, you're, you're obviously, as you said, it's your after work, it's your weekends, like I'm doing now, mm. <laughs> basically. <laughs> and if it wasn't a passion, you weren't passionate about it, you wouldn't do it because you'd be like, well, this is eating up into spare time. So how do you strike that balance between the passion mm. and the work yeah again i think balance i think yeah it's obviously very good and healthy to push yourself but doing that in a healthy way rather than being 100 percent on it the whole time i think is one of the big ones but yeah i think the passion is what drives you to just keep going you know on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis of just kind of going just things start rolling in your head no matter what. You're yeah. always wanting... The wheel is always... The hamster on the wheel is always going. <laughs> exactly. It's just... I don't know. It's just naturally you want to solve kind of problems. So mm. I think that works very well with my work and that's the sort of translation there, I think. So I work in sort of a software development background and so you're kind of always trying to iterate, trying to improve. Have those um, two kind of helped each other then? The different skill sets combining? Yeah. More yeah. than I thought it would. Yeah, same um, with me actually. I think it's just the problem solving aspect of it. It's just is always there and wanting to try new things or try out sort of different techniques or different ways of doing things. Like move fast and breaking things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. well, yeah. exactly. I think that term is from like software development or at least software development nowadays takes it a, a lot. And yeah, I think fascinating 
how similar it can be and how much sometimes just the whole sometimes taking a step back and going have a shower a shower is an yeah. amazing time and frame just to kind of you I let go of everything I have got a bath in my flat unfortunately <laughs> should come around mate I know I know I should mate I should just for a bath you can charge me for the water bill you spoke there about burnout mate and at one point you basically had a self-inflicted coffee addiction in order to cope because you were just whirring. The hamster wheel was going full pelt all the time. He needed a bit of morphine, the hamster, mm. but he wasn't getting it. Was that your most difficult moment doing the brand? Yeah, for sure. I think everything had worked up to that point and it just, I yeah, to keep going and to keep driving, that kind of like, God, keep doing, God, keep going, doing more. It just, I was having like four double espressos a day Bonkers, mate. Yeah. If you are drinking that, there's too much caffeine. That's a warning. <laughs> if, I, if I did that, I might go into a different atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it massively drove into my anxiety of it. It was just like that mm. worry of not doing enough, not being good enough in a, in a For way who, as though? well. Myself, of exactly. course. It's, it's yeah. all it is. It's, there's, there's no other competition but yourself. Mm. In some, some it's the thing time. that drives you, but it's also the thing that can destroy you, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So it's, it, yeah, just took a lot out of me and it yeah it was just kind Probably of like out your bank having... balance as well imagine <laughs> for the coffee <laughs> yeah exactly it was just yeah having like heart palpitations Jeez. and just sleeping consistencies especially and it's just i love coffee i still do love the taste of it but it's just like i've cut myself clean of it like well you're coffee free for a year and a half now aren't you yeah yeah mm. coming up to two years i think now it's just like it's it's been huge it has had a huge effect on me positively because now it's just like, cool, I can get up. I don't need that, you know. Mm. And how, <laughs> how do you manage going. yourself now? Do you take any vitamins or do you... What's the substitute basically for coffee? Is it just water and fresh air? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I've substituted for tea. I, I, yep. I drink a lot of non-caffeinated tea now. I think that's just been... Because that habit's still nice to, just to have that five minutes of, cool, get up, put the kettle on, see how my flatmates are doing, have a little wander around the back of the garden or something like that yeah that habit's still good to have to again create a bit of space but otherwise yeah nice. let's reflect now on this culinary journey so firstly what are your plans for the future with stalk sauce any teasers any uh, upcoming <laughs> announcements at the moment there's nothing in, in the pipeline per se you uh, tease josh yeah i can't yeah i've teased in the past a lot of my mates and they're they're very keen it's just different different flavors different sure sources we'll leave it um, at that we'll leave it at that yeah. <laughs> not any pressure on you to announce them either <laughs> and what has been your proudest achievement on this journey so far i think just getting it out to friends and family but also surprised how many random people have sort of been crossed in with it hmm. uh, just on instagram i think again it's exactly kind of, like almost nicer than the friends and family Yes and no. I, I think it's, it's an equal part because I, you know, absolutely appreciate, yeah, friends and family getting involved. Good PR then. <laughs> you know, some things come a bit more naturally than marketing. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been really great to to have different sets of people and random people, and it's kind of why I started my own hot sauce because I think, from my point of view, I can't get enough of it, <laughs> and in the sense of wanting to try new things and, and try new hot sauces and there's so many varieties just I think London creators mm. themselves um, is it almost like a vehicle for your personality yeah for sure it's just like that drive to kind of like yeah try something new try something crazy mm. and especially flavor wise bit of an explosion you know, so it gives that spice and as a final question what has doing stalk sauce and this wider culinary journey taught you about yourself that 
Yeah, I think not everything is is just work in your life as you can have your own creations, your own passions that are completely different from what you're doing. You know, as I said, working in software development is like, but I also have a huge passion for cooking and I think it's been a really good way of displaying that and sharing that with others, especially. We've spoken about Josh, the chef, the entrepreneur, the CEO. Let's go a bit deeper and talk about your own mental health journey, mate. So I'll ask all my special guests, as you might have listened to on the podcast before, this question first. Take me back to early life, teenage years, and looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Josh we meet here? <laughs> yeah, for me, I think it's been many years of travel when I was younger, through my stepdad, through his work, took you know different jobs, and so it allowed him to travel essentially to those jobs we lived in France for a couple of years lived in Canada for for three years and within those uh, how old were you at the time of these ones it was in France was 98 so I was about five or six years old about seven years old and through that time as well was really hard because my mum had separated from my real father and so in order to actually go abroad we need to get permission from him in order to do that because stepdad hasn't like fostered us or isn't the primary carer mm-hmm. or anything like that so and I remember the sort of yeah my mum being very very well sad to one extent but just the hardship he and the difficulty he really didn't want us to go and I think it was just part of their relationship as well kind of part of why they broke up didn't really want to see me and my sister that often but likewise made it absolutely difficult for us to be able to travel it Mm. took yeah some legal action in the end to allow us to do that and it's just that kind of when you're stuck in the middle yeah exactly when you were that young and I think from that it's definitely developed some sort of like the the kind of the hard front in some ways Mm. of of, well I guess I'm gonna have to do this myself in a way is that that kind of attitude definitely grew from that young age mm. um, was there any attachment issues either that it developed or um i don't think so no okay yeah, well that's a good think, thing at least yeah because yeah, exactly. that could have happened as well you mentioned um, there about the moving home and you did it mm. quite a lot it wasn't just canada and france but i think yeah. at one point you'd moved about five times in seven years is that yeah, right exactly. so obviously as a child that causes a huge amount of instability because i imagine each time you moved you're probably moving schools is that right yeah yeah that's that the is big one. crazy man. that's really really tough yeah. Because, um, yeah, it was. It was like there was a move for, in 98 when we first moved to France. And then we moved halfway through because we were there for two years. So, it, like, a year later we moved. Then moved back to England in 2000. Then I had a period of about five years. Uh, I was primary school, I think, at that mm-hmm. stage, or, or middle school. And then we moved to Canada in 2005. So that's, well, we're uh, both the same age. So that would be start of secondary school. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And then, yeah, so that was, yeah, pretty formative years because I think I was 12 at that point. And then, yeah, starting to become a teenager in Canada as well. Voice cracking, you're insecure. Puberty is pretty bonkers at the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's, especially, yeah, through those years, it's just, and again, yeah, we moved again in Canada after a year. But the years in Canada, although hard, was massively appreciative afterwards, after the fact, because for one, Canadians are bloody lovely. (laughs) 
They're very nice people, aren't they're they? They're very welcoming. Were you in French-speaking Canada? Or were you no. in English-speaking well, Canada? Okay. Yeah, we weren't in Quebec. We right. Were, we were just south of Toronto. And Toronto's a pretty cool place, isn't it? If, yeah. I mean, I've always wanted no. to go to Toronto, but it's a pretty cool place. So. Very cool. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to go back now that I've grown up. Mm. <laughs> in that well, sense. I was going to say, because of moving about, yeah. how did you develop the accent you have now? Yeah, that's the... My accent is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, partial Canadian isms come out as well as my mum being from Zimbabwe she's got a bit of that oh wow stepdad she got a thick, thick Zimbabwe accent as well or just like an accent it's more the kind of things like yeah kind so of it's, come out it's, it's, the, it's, it's the South African-esque yeah built. exactly right. so, you know if she went back to Zimbabwe she'd be English but mm-hmm. it's just like yeah definitely the twangs and mm. and, and And when did you join a school like midway through? Like, did you come back here and join like year nine, year 10? Because that's a pretty difficult thing to do for any kid. Because if you start from year seven, everyone starts from, you know, day dot. But if you start from year nine, year 10, you are the new kid and you've got to quickly find a group to sort of latch onto. Yeah, for sure. That was, I think, hardest for when we yeah came back from Canada back to England because the grades are slightly different. And I think... Canada is technically a year behind in certain things, but then England's also behind in others. So I came back into year 11 GCSEs. Okay. And GCSEs here, you kind of do over two years. Yeah, you start in year 10 and then you finish in year 11. So I had no GCSEs or anything like that started for that year. And so it's just like, oh, okay. So ended up, especially, I think English was the one I was furthest behind because of the way they were grading it, they had to have all sorts of different papers and essays based on books rather than, and I don't know why they couldn't just trust, you know, the scorecards or whatnot in Canada, right. but, or I'm not really sure what happened, but ended up having to do a lot of stuff after school to well, catch, like catch up, up to that, yeah. which is tough when mm. you've just moved and you've just... You're already in a of, culture shock, you yeah, know what I mean, yeah. Exactly, so yeah, very hard to, to mm. go through that. And when you look back now, you're obviously not an angry person, but... At the time, were you frustrated that you were moving about so much? I was so angry at my parents. Really? Yeah. It's just like... You drop rooting yourself. You're leaving all your current friends. You mean you get settled and you're leaving again. Yeah. Especially at at that time, you're just like, why are you doing this? You hate me. You know, that kind of... It's... Yeah, it was very difficult from that point. Now, I completely understand why, you know, these things have to happen, but it, it... yeah, that doesn't make it was... any easier, though, does no, it? No, exactly. <laughs> you, know I mean? you said to me off air that you're still feeling the impact of all these moves today. Unpack that for me. Yeah, I think in some regards it's positive. I think, especially yeah, the kind of Canada portion of my life, I think I'm thankful for now is how welcoming and friendly they are has allowed me more to just kind of get on with people more quickly mm-hmm. and also not be angry at people for long. It's like, it takes a lot for me. Don't hold grudges. Yeah, yeah, it takes a lot for me to actually hate someone. Mm-hmm. So some people, like, more often than not, kind of put it down as like, well, they're just making some silly mm. mistake or whatnot. So has it made you more secure in the sense that, ironically, you were in a very insecure yeah. <laughs> childhood? Yeah, for, for sure. I think that's a lot of my kind of like, well, yeah, I don't care. Especially the attitude of just, I am going to do this. What you think of me of that? Meh. It's a great <laughs> okay. place to be, mate. You know, that's, yeah, definitely the best positive from that. But then other times it's that kind of being okay on your own can sometimes be too much. I think I can protect myself from others a bit too much where, like, I would only, I don't know, sometimes can get into a tunnel of just kind of going, no, I need to be on my own, I need to recharge. And sometimes I do, but other times it 
stops me reaching out for help mm-hmm. in the sense of just wanting to say, hey, actually, I just need to chat like, mm. or just need to be with you rather than, you know, it, it don't have to be doing anything, but just, just sometimes, yeah, I, I would shy away from that. Even though I know when I do expose myself or, or go into some of these activities, I feel better because mm. of it. But it's not a natural thing for me to always do that mm. sometimes. Do you think a part of that comes back to the moving around and the fact that maybe every time you would kind of get close to people, mm. your, your mum and dad would go, oh, you want stepdad? So yeah. I would say, oh, we're moving again. Yeah. So maybe there's a reluctance there or something? 100%, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And it does. It takes a lot for me to open up completely like with myself. Break through that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to two other people. So I think that's, you know, that's the part I'm still trying to work on and trying to improve and, you know, exactly why it's just like sort of taking these kind of leaps and chatting with you now. Exactly. Like, right. you know, we we only met a few years ago mm-hmm. and on infrequent occasions and it's just like, well, with the right people, yeah, I think it's really and here we are. better to open up. Exactly, exactly mate. <laughs> Let, let's fast forward to university because despite the fact that you're having to do all this catch-up work, you were a pretty mm. high achiever in your school you got three A's at A level yeah and yeah. you went to Very Bath University yeah to study programming and computer science Bath University for the listeners who don't know very prestigious in maths sciences sort of yeah, subjects obviously other subjects but that's kind of what they're known yeah. for I'd say let's talk about the positives first how did this three year <laughs> period of stability impact your mental health yeah I think oh, yeah, the things that you can get from just having it be a bit stable is <laughs> amazing and yeah I think it's been been really good to Go through those experiences, but live independently, but also allow to have that freedom. Not completely without consequences, but realistically, I think, yeah. You've got a bigger cushion than I think you realise to, to make kind of mistakes at, at mm. university. And yeah, I think tried a lot of different things at university. Some successful, some not. <laughs> Especially in my final year. I think, yeah, I tried to expand into many different topics that I had no experience in because I thought maybe ah, give it a go yeah give it a go and maybe I could go into that industry a bit more and some of them were just either yeah too low level programming or like networking kind of stuff it's just like yeah, that stuff's not going in <laughs> but I'm very glad I tried it I completely Do you know what you don't like yeah, yeah exactly rather than take the safe option I think yeah there were a few modules was it like safety critical systems and they're like very yeah exactly that face you just pulled it's just like yeah, <laughs> listeners no. you can't see but I was doing a very confused face <laughs> it's just like yeah it's all things like gas systems and and rockets and it's just like they have to work obviously at at the most you know simplest things and it's just like it's a very boring topic of processes and it's just like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so I knew at yeah, that, that time it's not yeah. what I want. <laughs> So just like, leave that be is like, sure, I could get a high grade in that if you just, you know, spiel out the, the topics of that. But it's like, no, don't want to be doing Would that. you say university was the making of you? Part of it. Maybe not entirely, but it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a good chunk of it. Learned a lot about myself. Went through a relationship at that point. I had a long-term relationship going into university for that one. And then halfway through that broke up which yeah had its own challenges yeah because you go from you know your your sort of small hometown to suddenly having to be you know separated at different universities doing your own thing and yeah that was a hard one to break up from there's yeah i think as well tying back to kind of the cooking as well sort of your independence in doing that was always always a fun one 
And I, I think the, yeah, you're suddenly learning about completely new topics. And in a weird way, you always have that in the back of the mind that after these three years, you've, you've suddenly got to grow up and go into this industry without really understanding what the hell that means. And even now, do, do I understand what that means? <laughs> <laughs> Who does, mate? Who does? I don't know. Like, you're, you're trying to compress so much pressure and all the rest of it just to kind of go, cool, now you're going to out into the big wide world and the sort of, I don't know, self-expectation that everything has to be perfect and you'll find that perfect job at the end of it, no matter Perfectionism's what. Perfectionism's come up a lot, mate, in this part. <laughs> Where does that come from? I don't know. That's a very good question. It, is it, this is just me spitballing, but do you think that when you were a child, you thought if you were perfect, you wouldn't move? Perhaps, yeah. It's always, I think, just having to try and do good at school to yeah impress the parents yeah you know to if make i do sure this that... well maybe they won't take me out of school that yeah. sort of thing maybe yeah that yeah that. <laughs> we're learning some new Let's, things mate. Yeah, yeah exactly um despite all of those challenges obviously you are in a house with the same group of lads that you met mm. at university they'll be listening to this so lads this is your <laughs> shout out how positive were they given the fact that you had to basically leave all of these different friendship groups in your childhood yeah that stability for them for sure I think being able to lean on them to some extent has been great and you know they've gone through a few similar things mm -hmm. as well so I think through like relationships and as well as sort of struggles of what the hell am I doing kind of thing every man uh, has that at some point mate. <laughs> that so yeah I think from that standpoint having that and it's amazing you kind of don't realize at the time but it's just like well, yeah, you can never know how, you know, lifelong friends are going to be made, really. And, yeah, it's just at that time, it's just like all being supportive of each other. And it's amazing now. It's, it's you know, a decade and a bit later, it's just like we're still meeting Time up. Time flies and, quickly like that, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary, isn't it? Unfortunately, one of the negatives at university you experienced was imposter syndrome, Josh, which Ooh, came about yeah. because of the jump you made from being a very clever big fish, well, <laughs> in a very, no, wait, clever big fish... Or clever fish, clever small fish in a bigger pond of not very clever fish. And then you went to a very big pond as a clever fish, but there was small, you were a small one <laughs> with loads of clever fish. That was a really shit way of asking that question. I think you, you started it correctly. Yeah, I think, I, think I, might, I might have actually started it well. It was big fish in a yeah, small pond. Yeah, big so fish in a small pond. I just, I just took a year to get there. How did that affect you, that change? Yeah, it was shit. Yeah, much like that question I just asked. <laughs> No, yeah, it was really bad. It just kind of went from being able to know what felt like I knew everything in that in that sense. <laughs> and that, yeah, bad confidence in yourself and that to suddenly you don't know anything at all. It's, that's it's your perception. What it felt like, yeah. yeah, 100%. Obviously, that's not true, but it was just the... People always the chat skills. shit in lectures as well, mate. Do you know what I mean? People always <laughs> chat shit. I did politics for a degree. I know how many people chatted shit in my degree. And I saw their marks. You're like, I did better than you. Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was really tough. It was just like, because I'd never kind of programmed before that experience. Never got that opportunity to try and just kind of thought, oh, it's kind of similar to maths. You're problem solving. You're working through, you know, line by line, so to speak. And yeah, it wasn't that at all. And it took a lot of practice to mm. to get into that. And it took a lot of work to be okay at it. Mm -hmm. um, so that itself was just this, is this the right thing for me? Am mm. I doing, have I made the wrong decision doing this course? But there were many other positives uh, from 
persistence maybe yeah patience (laughs) (laughs) yeah without a doubt and it did get better it did kind of was there a moment that where it clicked or was it just gradually oh i'm starting to get better at this i'm just going to keep putting the work in yeah exactly i think now with hindsight there were a few things i was just like okay cool yeah i'm doing a few you know a bit better there here and there i think a few of the other modules during like the second and final year was just like Okay, cool. We kind of know how to solve this, essentially. We know what we're trying to do. But again, I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, one of my flatmates who we basically just were in my room at that point. He even moved his desk into into my room so as we could work together on, on a lot of this programming. You were and... literally on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, without that, I think I, yeah, really would have struggled so he supported you intellectually as much as he did as yeah, a friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, but it's just like, you know, it's joint adventure, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> take away all the credit, mate. Yeah, yeah. You support him as well, I'm sure. <laughs> when it comes to mental health, as you said, mate, have they helped you in vocalising it as well? Yeah. Not just this podcast, obviously. <laughs> no, for sure. I think it sort of started happening before the pandemic, but the pandemic itself helped us massively in terms of just we need to see each other. It's been how long, you know? And I think, I don't know. Unfortunately, sometimes it depends on the alcohol level. But With lads, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only time we we can really open up. I think it's unfortunate that's the case. Emotional think, lubricant, I call it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's a very necessary at points, mm-hmm, I think, because... Mm-hmm. We aren't trained to do that. We aren't, you know... Uh, Taking the piss is how we show love, isn't exactly. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, there's a member of our, our friendship group that's incredible at doing that. He's kind of what you are to your friendship group, Freddie. He is to ours. Oh, I appreciate like, that, mate. You know, asking the right kind of questions to kind of sneak in a bit more through you those cracks. You have to cracks, do it. You have to you tease know, You're just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's an awkward one. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I do want to answer that. It's just like, I don't know how, you know. And sometimes that's fine. Yeah. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah. But it's about just asking it. And then maybe if, they were, if they're not able to answer it at the time, they might think, oh, two days, three days a week. Yeah. Oh, that's how I feel. And that's 100%. how I can do the work. Yeah. yeah. Knowing how to articulate mm. is half the battle. Exactly, um, mate. Before we reflect, there was a final piece of the running order you wanted to put in, mate, and it's something that we've actually shared in a life experience, and it came up in the last few weeks, which is that your mum had a stroke seven weeks ago at a time of recording. Thankfully, she's on the mend now. She's making a recovery, and you caught it quickly. But if you can, just take me back to that day and your emotions. Yeah, it was Easter weekend. It was the Monday it happened and yeah it was the kind of monday so you were kind of unwinding getting ready for you know the next (laughs) work week and i got a call from my stepdad and i was just like that's not usual we don't tend to talk too much we now talk quite a bit more but yeah it was just a very shaky voice on 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 the phone and it was just like yeah your your mum's had a had a stroke and it was just like oh damn that's yeah everything came crashing down at that point and it was just like okay well what's happened and it's just like yeah they picked her up in an ambulance they're taking her to the hospital and it was just like okay uh i am going to come to you then that was my first thought just clicked in i'm just like okay i yeah i'll come come support I need support, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, 
yeah, just drop absolutely everything. I, at that point, took my work laptop because I'm like, well, I've got work tomorrow, so I'll bring that with me. <laughs> and it was just like, work that out. And yeah, it's just made that drive across maybe wasn't in the best state to do that because of the emotions mm. <laughs> but it was just kind you of like, that point was just kind of like yeah putting that at the back of the mind trying not to think of what the worst outcome could be because a stroke is anything isn't it, it could, yeah, yeah. It, it ranges so much and it's just like at that point you just yeah don't know it's like we've caught it great they were both at home my mum managed to send a text somehow it was a bit wacky but it was just like okay so my stepdad came and saw her and saw her and the state she was and thankfully managed to get the ambulance very quickly and then yeah it was uh managed to get back get to see my stepdad and yeah there was a few tears shared at that mm. point because yeah we still didn't know um we had no no one had told us anything of that she made it to the hospital or anything like that she's sort of in limbo at this point yeah, yeah exactly this unknown state of what could have happened and so yeah your mind wanders of course thinking mm of the worst that she's she could pass away obviously mm. so yeah and yeah we managed to go visit her what was that like uh in the hospital and it, it terrifying seeing mm. someone in that state because if you haven't ever seen someone have a stroke it's just the complete immobility of, yes. of half your body and that is such a haunting look it is really just like like complete incapacitation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 such a yeah heart wrenching thing to see someone that you love in that situation, and you can't do anything about it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You're just waiting on time at that point. Yeah. Um, You're a year older than me, mate. You're thirty years old. When my dad had his stroke, I was twenty one. So maybe I didn't have as much I don't know cognitive awareness at the time mm. that perhaps I would have had if it happened to me now. Obviously, you said, "Oh, I need support." Did you feel responsibility to support others in your family ahead of yourself? Yeah, 100%. Mm. I think that's kind of what has driven me and still is driving me to that extent is, I don't know, the compulsion in a way to, to make sure everyone else is all right before me, which, yeah, isn't always the healthiest. But it's, I don't know, it's the kind of protectiveness that I have for the family. Is like That's a masculine trait, mate. <laughs> lots yeah. of people don't want to admit it. That is a masculine trait. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, we don't have much of family. It's it's yeah. It's my parents and my sister. Mm-hmm. So it's just like yeah, wanting to protect that, and make sure everyone's okay in that sense, and yeah, not everything was okay, you mm-hmm. know. And trying to just talk through that, and yeah, it's kind of quite difficult in that sense with the family sometimes because of sort of previous trauma. So yeah, it's just definitely that feeling that you feel like you're the glue. Mm-hmm. the connection between everyone to make sure everyone's okay and holding up and making sure that we're still there as some form of a family mm-hmm. you know as cracked and as as weird as it is as other step families or people who've had different parents from divorces i'm sure know but it's not easy but uh you make it work <laughs> mm. is is what i would say and have you managed to take time for yourself and do actually work on yourself and give yourself a break yeah that's again very thankful for kind of what I'd learned in the previous years with Stalks Horse and the business is overworking myself and knowing when I needed that break. So being kind of working it and, and obviously there's been a lot of visitations and whatnot, but I've just kind of made sure cool I've got, you know, a Monday or Tuesday somewhere or, you know, some time on the weekend to make sure that 
I can decompress and and let that out as well as be able to depend on yeah some of my close friends here in in, in London has been invaluable and you know I thank them immensely just to be able to talk to and either vent or just have some company that's mm. not in that terrible situation that you know and how has it changed your perspective on life the finality of it because I think it definitely affected the way I think about how the stereotypical cliches tomorrow isn't promised and all that stuff yeah yeah I think I had a certain view of that anyway of you know be appreciative of what you have here and now because it's not going to last um and yeah I think it yeah it makes makes you think a bit more makes you realize you know how much your parents mean to you way more than I kind of realized I think that was that was the big one especially my mum like she's been there through a lot so and you know obviously helped throughout the years no matter what and to have that potentially flash of gone instantly is just like that's yeah that's a lot it's, a, it's sad for that to potentially go thankfully she hasn't but unfortunately with strokes there's just that unfortunate statistic that having another one is so much more likely and having another one is so much more likely to lead to death unfortunately mm. so that's something i think we'll be dealing with in the you know yeah. six you'll months get there, period. Mate. it's a journey though a it's a whole new journey to go on trust me but you'll yeah. get there no, i appreciate that let's reflect then on this journey mate so firstly what has it taught you about yourself i'm stronger than i think i am it's a very common answer on this podcast, mate. Be, you won't be surprised to hear that. You go through a lot, but you make it through. It ends, the worst bits and the good bits, you know, it's the ups and downs. Who's that painter? Bob Ross. There's a quote from him that's just like, sometimes you have to go through the dark times to make it to the light times. And, you know, he was also saying, it's like, right now I'm going through the dark times, but I know that the good times will come. Much I've been a football fan, to be honest. <laughs> so there's, so my team, there's a lot more dark times than there are like. And as a final question, mate, if you could go back and talk to that teenage Josh, the 12-year-old, the 8-year-old, the 6-year-old Josh, who was really struggling with that constant instability in his life, changing schools every couple of years, or the Josh who felt like that imposter on his computer programming course and degree, <laughs> or the Josh who was on four double espressos a day... <laughs> The and wired, close to burnout. The wired man. Yeah, the wired man indeed. <laughs> what would you say to him, knowing what you do now? Have patience. It will pass. It's either through the anxiety of what you're going through now, or the worries that you have now. It will pass. It sometimes will come because of things that you do to distract yourself, or you're in a bad situation, so therefore trying to take yourself out of that and, and look after yourself. These, yeah, things take time. For good and bad. So that's the main thing is just have the patience because especially I think when you're younger, you want that over instantly. It's just like, this is the worst thing of my life. It's like, <laughs> no kids, it gets worse. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but it also does pass. And as you know, we've talked about, it's 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 a tough time now, but it's it's getting better and will get better. We've come to our final topic of conversation, Josh, and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests. It is a general natter and quickfire chat about our mental health. So firstly, how is your mental health, mate? It's good. Yeah, especially over the last few weeks, it's kind of strengthened in that sense of just 
needing to sometimes go through those kind of tools that you have. I think my favorite one go to now at the moment is is just kind of reminding yourself what you're grateful for. I think that's a really good tool to have and to make sure that helps to ground you and realize like, yeah, we're all still here. It can be the simplest things. It's like, yeah, thank you for the eggs I had this morning, you know. And if you felt comfortable saying, what mental health issues or conditions, if any, do you live with and how do they affect you in your day-to-day life? I am thankful at the moment. I have I've not been diagnosed with anything mm-hmm. specifically. I think there have been times in my life where I realize I've been at least sort of somewhat depressed. I think that the clear one that I read about was just like not having any enjoyment from the things that you normally would, be it games, going out for walks, seeing friends. It's just like, what's the point? I don't really like this. And it's just like, no, that, yeah, is a sign that actually you are kind of a bit more down in the dumps and to realize that actually, yeah, you need to do something to bring yourself out of that has, has been a big one for me. So, yeah, I think at the moment, though, yeah, it's going well. It's being tested, let's say, say that much. For sure, man. Um, and what age were you when you became self-aware of your mental health and you realised that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind? That was university for me. Same as me, like, actually. 18 was when yeah, I went fully yeah. self-aware, yeah. Not sure exactly when, but probably, yeah, somewhere in that imposter syndrome starting. Mm. And was it a um, eureka moment or was it a gradual process? Gradual for me. Yeah, you don't really realise it until well after yeah yeah Uh, you just kind of go those were feelings i didn't like (laughs) for quite some time why was that you kind of go oh yeah i wasn't doing too good there Mm. you know it's it's yeah the power of hindsight in that sense and tell me about the first conversation you ever had with someone about your mental health so who was it with what did you say and how do you look back on it did it feel like this big burden or moment or weight had been lifted off your shoulders or on the other, something quite easy, insignificant, and normal to do. <laughs> yeah, it was probably uh, with my flatmate Will. I think we were, again, just going through a bit of a tough time with university, trying to get through that and just kind of It's going... always final year, isn't it? Final year, yeah. final year was like the best year for me, but also the most stressful. <laughs> 100%, yeah, most <laughs> developmental, for sure. Yeah. It's just like how, how much you progress. And I don't even know what coursework it was at that point, but it was just like... It's computer programming, mate. It's coursework. It's probably difficult. <laughs> So it's, uh, yeah, it was just that kind of like, neither of us are having fun here. Um, <laughs> God, um, shared misery is yeah, great. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and what things do you find in life that trigger your mental health, mate? So it could be things people say to you, a sound, a sensation, being in a particular social environment, or have you not figured all of them out yet? Probably the latter part. Not entirely sure what triggers it sometimes. Sometimes it can be talking to certain people that, you know, I think you try to avoid in life <laughs> where it's just whatever they say or do will just annoy you and that's all you can focus on I'll keep on. that in mind when I'm at the next party with you Josh <laughs> but uh, no you're lovely Freddie I oh, no. I was more about people watching but I appreciate that as well. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be watching you in case I see you triggered <sighs> but yeah I think that's probably the one more than anything else is, is I focus sometimes on what someone has done or says and it's just like I, yeah can't get that out of my head okay and that can sometimes send me into a bit of a spiral of just like that's not good mm. i don't like this you know i want to change something about it but i have no control mm. over it and keep focusing on uh, yourself yeah, yeah exactly so conversely then what positive tools and methods do you use in your life to improve your mental health or help you feel better which ones have worked maybe which ones that you tried but haven't i think there's two one i discovered during the lockdown, the very first lockdown, was like mindfulness. And it was just, you know, it's the sort of meditation and it's, it's 
just the way of, of trying to not focus on anything, to de-stress from that kind of thing. And It's almost like a positive disassociation, isn't it, really? Yeah, you just, yeah exactly, yeah. to some extent. And like one of the things was just like clapping your hands like two or three times and then you just you just focus on there's that little sting you know that little thing and you just you can focus on that and just you know focus on your breathing in that sense and just allowing you to disconnect from the worries especially with work I think at that point as well was just that's all your life is you're at home you work okay you finished but you're still there in that sense so I think that transition to working from home permanently took a bit and then yeah the other one is just going for a walk, it's amazing just the kind of, especially when I'm in the mood, it's like, I don't want to go for a walk. That's when I need to go for a walk. I know that. And I just like, you have to push yourself through it. And the first 10 minutes, you're just like, I want to get back, I'm done. I'm just, just like, but then I don't know, something, something just happens, it just kind of clicks and it just, whatever was worrying you starts to clear and it just allows you to focus on, cool, the next thing really. And what is the best book, or as I call it, mental health Bible you've read for your mental health? Now, it can be self-help or mental health related. It doesn't exclusively have to be. It can be fiction. And if you can't think of a book, TV, play, podcast, album, any piece of popular culture. The, oh, Bojack Horseman. Oh, amazing. One of the best TV shows I've ever watched. Yeah. How they animate certain, yeah, mental health or other diseases like pinky think, penguin P- perky penguin or pinky Pe- he's my yeah. favorite <laughs> oh it's just there are certain lines and just certain shows that i think just you know i think there was one where it was just like one of the characters i think it was his mum or something had dementia mm. and they drew what they think that would look like and that is just kind of like horrifying and mm. eye-opening and you're just like oh wow they where they capture There's... certain like trends as well like so when he's about to have like a really difficult conversation he does the mm. Yeah, yeah, like he exactly. always does that. Like it's so accurate, <laughs> you, so accurate. You just kind of feel like that voice actor is just yeah. Lee's living through that. I'm trying I to think, think of other things like that was that were really good. It's just I always could have kind of describe it. It's like it's as much a show about life mm, as it is about mental health. It's a really dark show at but times. Yeah, massively. They, they do a really good way of kind of joking about it because that's kind of what you when have he has to a do. panic attack. <laughs> and he's like toast, toast. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a really eye-opening way and representation of some of these issues that you have that I think I find I connect more with versus perhaps reading. Brilliant, mate. Love about. that. Love that. I remember getting recommended and I just binged it so quickly because yeah. I was like, this is so accurate. Yeah. If there was a mantra in life that summed up your mental health, what would it be and why? Hmm. Mantra. Quote, phrase, saying, something like that. Yeah, I think I tend to always go back to the kind of don't worry what other people are saying. Do your own path. I think that's the main thing. It's like you're going to make mistakes. You need to just live with them. I think that's always what I need to try always remind myself of because, again, the perfection get that an affirmation on you all, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as a final question, this is a broad one. What more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds, all walks of life feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just their general mental health, if, most importantly, they want to do it. Just finding different ways to open up and talk about. Obviously, some people aren't as natural or wanting to talk about it face-to-face. And that's fine. You know, sometimes you have to use alcohol, you know, preferably not. But other ways, just like through sport or through... Take the pressure off. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, the distractions and 
even yeah just going hanging out with your mates i don't know why it's popped in my head but go bowling i, I don't go bowling but that's the first <laughs> unless you're next out in mate yeah, exactly if you ask me to go Who bowling knows? i know it's a difficult conversation that's coming up <laughs> just like yeah head to rowan's or something i don't yeah. know just yeah get out there and make sure to yeah talk with your friends you're not alone what a beautiful way to end it mate josh Storkey, thank you so much for coming on the just checking in podcast and talking to me mate thank you very much Freddie. well that's all we've got time for in this episode of the just checking in pod a massive thank you to josh for being my special guest for talking so openly about the journey of stalk source his childhood his mother's stroke and for letting me check in with him I'll put some links to where you can buy a bottle of Stork Sauce and follow the brand on social media in the show notes as always. I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give it a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing here at Vent, please consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash venthelpuk or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or buy a Vent t-shirt or buy a ticket to the Just Checking In podcast live show. That's Friday, September 29th at the E10 Manor Rugby Club. All of those links are on our link tree. That's www.linktr.ee slash venthelpuk. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember guys, it is always okay to vent. Vent.